0: It, it became horrific. I'm not sure that I want to talk about what they did, but with their sabers, I don't think they're guns, but with their sabers, they killed most of these people. Just knocked them down. Their bodies were mutilated, dismembered. Uh, no wonder the man was called Bloody Bill. That's the Hay Station Massacre.
1: You are listening to History Man, the platform for historians, curators, and authors to tell their stories of the American Revolution walk in the footsteps of heroes, and proclaim freedom reigns. On today's episode, we are excited and fortunate to have Reverend Dr. Paul Wood with us. He's a historian, author, and expert of Dicey Langston, a South Carolina heroine of the American Revolution. So welcome, Paul.
0: Thank you, Eric. It's very nice to be with you. Eric, my next project, I'm already underway with it, is about a very different sort of person from South Carolina. This is William Bloody Bill Cunningham, and boy did he earn his moniker Bloody Bill. He's the exact opposite of uh, Dicey Langston Springfield. He was a horrible person. Along with three massacres, where he had help from other angry Tories, he killed at least 75 people. And these killings had nothing to do with him operating under a command and trying to win the war. These are actions that, for the most part, took place after the war had essentially come to an end. He is the worst of the worst of the participants in the Civil War. So, this is William Bloody Bill Cunningham.
1: So, the Civil War in the backcountry of South Carolina. Yes, to be clear. Right. So, uh, well, he was a patriot at first.
0: That's a good point. He started out as a patriot. And that's interesting because he had two kinsmen, maybe they were first or second cousins, we don't know, who were Cunninghams. And they are very well-known people. Robert and
1: Patrick, right? That's
0: right. Very good. Robert and Patrick Cunningham. So they were Tories from before the war began. Robert was the leader of the Tories until he was captured and sent to Charleston early in the war. Um, So he was on the other side. William Cunningham was a patriot for a while. There are a couple of stories as to why he switched sides.
1: Yes, I, I've wondered, is he a plant? Did the uncles come up and, and, and put him on the patriot side to be a plant for them? Because uh, they, were, they were political movers and shakers up there in, in Lawrence well, That's
0: a good point about those Cunninghams. I've never thought of that before. I really doubt it. Okay, uh, all right. He... He was forced to go to the Low Country as a patriot. He
1: didn't want to do that. He
0: didn't want to go to the Low Country and take part in the fighting, but his commanding officer forced him to. Then the commanding officer wouldn't let him leave the Low Country and go back home.
1: So why did he not want to go to the lower lower part of the state? I don't know. What was his dad an invalid?
0: Well, that might be the answer. Or his brother? His or, brother it? was an invalid. Brother was. He an was. Invalid. Uh, you and I would be in a wheelchair if okay. uh, we had his disabilities. So these two patriots, who despised Cunningham already for some reason, they um, they assaulted his father and his brother. They harmed his father and killed the brother. The brother was forced out of whatever chair or bed he was in, and they killed him. So when William Cunningham got word of this, he set out for revenge. And the first of his murders was to make his way back to Lawrence County, where he had grown up, and just walk up to one of those two culprits and shoot him dead.
1: Correct me if I'm wrong, he was like in Georgia or Florida at the time when he heard about that and walked all the way home.
0: That's a story. Oh, okay. I, right. I, I think there's right. some elaboration there that Very anyone good. would walk all the way from uh, ja- uh, I'm sorry, Savannah, Georgia. Well, he certainly did walk
1: later when he had the fast horses, right? Oh, uh, gosh. Like he rode
0: fast horses. Yeah. One of them was called Silver Heels.
1: Right. Right. Bloody Bill Cunningham in South Carolina is a Story that is just wrought with violence, all all the way down from from the time he was whipped uh, as yes. a, as a patriot in the Low Country, in yes. the Low Country, because he didn't want to be down there to begin with, to the time that they killed his brother, and then he comes back and kills them, yes, and then it's just on from then on. I mean,
0: it, that's right. There are uh, records that prove that he was serving as a Loyalist under command. He was almost certainly at the Battle of Kings Mountain. though I might have trouble proving that uh, for the sake of the book. He was in other battles, but then he began to operate on his own uh, with with some helpers. So um, he set up a camp, a camp of some sort, somewhere in Oconee County. The, uh, The stories refer to the mountains of South Carolina, maybe Pickens County, maybe Table Rock. Uh, there are a couple of stories about him being at the foot of Table Rock Mountain. And uh, his first assault was on the town of Abbeville. He damaged homes or burned homes and that sort of thing in Abbeville. So when,
1: when, let me stop you right there. There's a tendency when we hear stories like that and we hear Bloody Bill Cunningham, we think to ourselves, oh, well, Bloody Bill Cunningham was by himself and he had like this, this, uh, this vendetta against everyone and he went out and massacred or mauled these people right and left. But it wasn't just him. He had a group of soldiers, I mean, numbering how many? Hundreds? Yes,
0: it, there's debate. There, there's more than one version of how many men went with him out of Charleston on that, that horrible rampage that we call Bloody Scout. Uh, Blood Scout took place after the British had consolidated their forces and uh, refugee Tories into the Charleston area. Uh, Maybe 500 men, maybe 300 men. Wow. But but some of them returned to Charleston after they stole the cattle. See, their objective from their commanding officer was go out and round up some cattle that belongs to those patriots. The British were having a very hard time feeding everyone in, in, in Charleston.
1: So when they were at the camp at the foot of Table Rock, what what you're saying, did they have three to 500 with them No, okay.
0: no, he would have had a much smaller okay. band right. by right. them. And I'm and, sorry
1: I jumped ahead on that.
0: No, that's just, okay. And we don't know for certain that uh, he was at Table Rock. Um, I think he was, but as my research continues, I, I need to verify that. Sure. Um, so, yes, there were some individual murders, and, and we know that during Bloody Scout, there were certain individuals he wanted to kill. And this had nothing to do with trying to win the cause for, for the crown and, and keep the colonies uh, within uh, what you and I call the United Kingdom. No, he was out for revenge. This is a man who was out for revenge. And when he started out on Bloody Scout, no matter how many men went with him, He he had with him these other men, Tories, who were furious that their land had been taken. They could not return home. Uh, Barns burned down, cattle stolen. They had lost the war, and they'd lost everything. They couldn't stay in the back country. They had to follow the British forces into Charleston to safety, to a place of refuge. Then where did they go? For the most part, these Tory or Loyalist families went to other places in the uh, British Empire. So, uh, many went to the Bahamas, many went to Cuba temporarily, and and, and, uh, Florida temporarily, many went to Nova Scotia, and there are many descendants of those uh, Loyalists in in Nova Scotia, and they keep up with who they are. Um, (coughs) Robert Cunningham this uh, famous kinsman of William, he, of course, was a wanted man. He needed to escape Charleston or he would be arrested and probably imprisoned for the rest of his life if not even hanged. He made his way to Bahamas. I've seen his grave in Nassau and the Bahamas. I've seen the graves of his wife and other other members of the family, and I've seen the records that the king granted him hundreds and hundreds of acres on on Providence Island, and that's the island where Nassau is located. I've looked for any, any sign that William Bloody Bill Cunningham lived there, and the only sign I've come across, and many people have seen it, is his obituary. His obituary ran in a Charleston newspaper in, I believe, 1785-86. Uh, Cunningham, we don't know the exact year of his birth, but It would seem he was 30 years old at that time, so he died at a young age. We don't know how or why he died, but he was in Bahamas when he died. Boy, have I jumped way ahead for you
1: to the the end of his life. The story itself, I mean, if you go to Jack Parker's book, he dedicates a nice little section to just the Bloody Scout. Right. Yes. Jack and, has
0: done enormous, great research on I Bloody I mean, He Scouts. takes
1: you through Hayes Station and and, and all up through those counties uh, from Lawrence, and, and, and then it's like a big circle or, or a big loop as he goes and uh, takes retribution on many of his former commanding officers uh, from when he was a patriot, right?
0: Well, the two of them. The two that he was uh, most angry with. He he had it out with both of them. But he also kept up with the other patriots who had harmed his friends, who had shot his friends in battle, who had harmed their or taken their livestock, etc. So when he got to Hayes Station, and that's the most famous of the massacres, and I think the best known of the three massacres, he found that not only Colonel Hayes was there, Captain Hayes, I'm sorry, I've forgotten his rank, but any number of other men, 15, 20 other men, holed up in this, uh, in this fortified uh, old house, or house, uh, commonly known as Hayes Station. And th- this is the worst of it, and we have the records on this. There's even a monument there, erected by the daughters of the American Revolution. The monument pro- provides the names of the patriots who were killed that day. Uh, there was some fighting going on. The Tories were not able to get into the fort, so they set fire to it. And uh, then then uh, Hayes and the others who were with him uh, put out a white flag, said, We surrender. And Bloody Bill said, You come on out. We'll treat you fairly. You'll be safe. It, it became horrific. I'm not sure that I want to talk. About what they did, but with their sabers—I don't think they're guns—but with their sabers, they killed most of these people. Just knocked them down. Their bodies were mutilated, dismembered. Uh, no wonder the man was called Bloody Bill. Mm-hmm. That's the Hay Station Massacre.
1: What uh, on that bloody scout? Can can you recall what counties he touched as he went on that bloody scout?
0: Yes. Um, the first, the first battle he fought in uh, was in Orangeburg County, but we don't know if that is being other than a military uh, episode. But then he broke away and began to do things on his own with these men who assisted him. And uh, with their, they, they went to, uh, to the far western edge of Lexington County near the present-day town of Batesburg, Leesville, and that's where the first massacre took place. Then they went to Hayes Station, and that's where the second massacre took place. And
1: Hayes Station is in Lawrence? Hayes,
0: sorry, Hayes Station is in Lawrence County. It's not far from Clinton, South Carolina. Okay. Um, it, it's wonderful how about, a, about an acre has been preserved there. Uh, the public, with some help from uh, people like Durant Ashmore and I think the staff at the Clinton County Library, the public can get in the gate and go, to, uh, to the monument and the exact site of Hayes Station where all these men died. So he was looking for other men as Bloody Scout continued, and uh, he would find individual men and just shoot them dead. Uh, the two examples are that he made his way to Lawson's Fork Creek. Lawson's Fork Creek runs through present-day Spartanburg, and uh, they were brothers. So he went to the homestead of the first Wood brother, shot and killed him, then went a few miles downstream and found the other Wood brother, shot and killed him. But he made his way into Union County for some of these killings. Then he had to make his way back, or maybe his, maybe he had fulfilled his list. Uh, at least in his head, he had a list of people who deserved uh, horrific revenge if he, could, if he could get it out on them, and usually that was killing these people. So he made his way back to Orangeburg County, and they hold out in the swamp between the north edisto and the south edisto and they it was so it was a good place to hide you see uh the patriots were after him by then and um he was a very smart man he split up his forces so that they were not all in the same camp in that swamp so when they did find one of his camps some of cunningham's men were killed, injured, but everybody else heard the gunshots and they scattered. So very few people in Cunningham's uh, uh, cadre of killers uh, were killed at that time and then they made their way back through the sparse lines of General Nathaniel Green. Green did not have enough troops to to protect uh, these Tories from leaving Charleston and making their way up upstate to steal cattle etc. And uh, they also knew how to make their way back through Greens lines and safety in Charleston.
1: Weren't there uh, a couple of other well-known loyalists that were with him? What was was Fanning,
0: who who was Fanning with him? That or? A, that is a very good question. And, and now, for that, our
1: listeners, David Fanning actually took a diary or made a diary. During his time as a loyalist,
0: uh, yes, David the Revolutionary Fanning. War. David Fanning is a very famous loyalist and another South Carolinian who was born and raised in Warrens County, South Carolina. He uh, served the loyalist cause both in North Carolina and in South Carolina. So he had many. He wasn't a cold-blooded murderer. I don't know of Fanning ever committing that sort of atrocity, but he and Cunningham had a lot in common. Fanning was arrested several times and had a knack for escaping <laughs> right. from, from the jails, especially the jail at 96. Uh, that, that's a bit different from the Cunningham story.
1: There was another one, Burnfoot Brown.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Was yes.
1: he tied to Cunningham at
0: all? I don't think so. Okay. There's no record right. of that. But Thomas Burnfoot Brown is, is maybe the best example of the violence that took place between Patriots and uh, Tories from the beginning of the war onward. Thomas Brown was a noted Loyalist, living in the Augusta, North Augusta area. He was asked to sign the documents indicating that he was a patriot and all for independence, and he refused. What was done to him was absolutely terrible. They beat him up, they tarred him and feathered him, Then they suspended him from a tree, I think it was. They weren't hanging him. They set a fire underneath his feet. So they burned his feet very badly, and that's why he was known for the rest of his life as Thomas Burnfoot Brown. Brown led, he led soldiers. That's what Brown did. He, I think, was a very effective uh, Tory uh, military leader from that point forward. But we, we know of Brown mainly because of how he suffered at the hands of Patriots.
1: So no, nowhere in your records have you linked Fernfoot Brown with Cunningham?
0: No. I, I, in fact, I'll be surprised if I find any linkage, despite the similarities right, right, between these two. Right.
1: Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that research. I'm looking forward to you and reading the paper that you come out, or the book that actually you're hoping to, to pull out of this Cunningham research. Uh, once I got into this puzzle of the Revolutionary War in South Carolina, the Cunningham story is just something that you never hear about. It's unique. It, it talks about just the violence in the backcountry of South Carolina, and it really just drills that home, and it, and it opens your eyes that it's not just this British military lining up against the, the, the Patriot forces and they're exchanging gunfire, we're talking real, real civil war in the backcountry.
0: Yes, and much of it, you and I would call it in this day and time, guerrilla
1: right.
0: warfare. I think that the public needs to know that the American Revolution was not that good guy, uh, bad guy scenario that you just described.
1: There's a lot of gray area
0: in there. A lot of gray area, and a lot of violence carried out by both sides. And maybe most importantly, it's that the public learned that there was this, what I call, civil war. That took place in the midst, at least in South Carolina, of the American Revolution. It was South Carolinian versus South Carolinian. I think you would call that a civil war.
1: Right. Tell our listeners one more time how they can read your article on Dicey Langston.
0: Yes, it is the website of the commission for the 250th anniversary of the Revolutionary War. So it is South Carolina spelled out South carolina 250com That's where they go They'll learn so much. But to find the article that I have written that's been published there, you go to Educational Resources, one of the items at the top of the uh, homepage. Among the Educational Resources on the drop-down menu is Publications. Click on that, and you'll see the article about Dicey. You'll see Sheila Engel's article about Jane Black Thomas of Spartanburg County, South Carolina. Others will follow.
1: Right. Well, thank you so much.
0: You're so welcome, Eric. Thanks.